everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. It's Shane alongside Frankie. I hope you are all having a wonderful day. Uh, we have some big news uh, to, to let you guys know. We'll get right into it with the CFL news that broke shortly before we went on air. But first, you know, shout out to Chris Hoffley, uh, social media manager for the Red Blacks, uh, fundraising uh, quite a bit of money for for Chio. So we decided to it? get involved. What is it at now? I, last time I checked, it has to be over like fifty thousand. It last time, oh, I'm gonna have to look. I'm gonna have to look. Um, while I stop sharing it into Facebook groups, meaning that uh, we have no viewers, but that's fine. Uh, this is more important. Uh, let's see. So, if you don't know, Stuntman Stu in Ottawa, big name, absolutely hates um, pineapple pizza. Absolutely hates it. He just had a slice of pineapple pizza. Um, so, according to this, I get to the bottom. We're at we are at fifty six thousand five hundred and eleven dollars. Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> uh, yeah. When we did it. There were just uh, just over six, I believe, is when we got involved. Uh, no, there wasn't even that many because I remember thinking that maybe six thousand be where I would want to go, and then it ended up being seven, and then I found yeah, that you were eight, involved. We decided, uh, we decided at eight at eight thousand. We hit eight thousand Saturday night, and you can see by me, I'm bald. I shaved it off, Frankie. Who said we would be doing the show bold? All right, has decided Look. to wear a hat for the show. Um, I am not so, wearing a hat to hide the fact that I'm bald. Because actually, Shane, uh, I kind of low key like it. So um, why are you wearing a hat? Because McLaren. Okay, you got to support the boys. Lando had a fantastic shelf. showing this weekend. Okay, and put a shelf and, on the back of your wall and put the hat there. Yeah, no, you see, I'm in a temporary solution here, so that is just not going to happen. Well, I don't know what to tell you, because, like, you, you're the one who posted saying that we're going to do the show bald, and now you're wearing a hat. Look, so like, here's the thing, okay? My, my understanding of what I said, which is actually the best understanding of what I said, um, is that I'm actually, in fact, bald underneath the hat. So, therefore, I am doing it. We'll bald. do the show bald. So my understanding was, okay, that means we're going to be bald on the show, not covering it with a hat. Look, go back <laughs> for all of our episodes. Find the last one that we did where I was not you wearing a hat. You can do one episode without a hat. No. One episode. Can't. No. Why, you have no hair. Dude, I have so many hats that I have to find a place to wear them. Who cares? They're just hats. I do. I bought... I easily have... Don't even talk to me. I, 40 hat. I easily have 40 oh, hats. Oh, that's like amateur. I had like 100 at one point. I had like 150 at one point. It's I not. had this huge – I went through this huge phase of just buying hats. You also so worked like, at Lids. So you got that employee discount. So even after I was at Lids and before I was at Lids, I still bought hats. I just had random yeah, hats. I just, need, I just need somebody giving them in for free. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Plus, the uh, hats I mean, that I buy are expensive, man. Like, oh, my God. All hats expensive. are expensive. Not if you buy crappy ones or not. Okay, but we're, if you're talking about, like, top-of-the-line hats, they're all going to be, like, 40-plus dollars. Yeah, but I go I go for those fitted, uh, you know, MLB hats. Those so things like cost you an arm and a leg. They're $44.99 plus tax. Yeah. And they come out so to being, like, 50 bucks, 55 bucks each. It's a lot of money. Yeah, because hats are expensive. Which is they why are, I stopped buying very them. expensive. 
which is why I keep buying them because I am an idiot. So hence why hey, uh, my hat. Actually, my... you want you want to know this? You want to know how much money I spent on this hat? I'm gonna say nearly hundred dollars. You know, nearly one hundred dollars after ridiculous. I get it. Dude, I got an email. I got an email from UPS after I bought it. And they're like, yeah, you're not getting it until you pay our duty fees. So I'd already spent 60 bucks at that point. So I was like, oh, I guess I got to toss another 30 down the drain. Ridiculous. So so you want to ask why I got my hat on? Boom. There's all the reasons. There's all the reasons. Okay. But anyways, we can talk about hats all episode. We're going to jump right into it. So we're going to start off first with a pro football uh, focus or for uh, pro football talk came out uh, earlier today with an article saying that um, teams, the CFL has informed players and agents that the August 5th date is solid. Um, camp will begin uh, sometime in like July, I think 12th uh, with a, a quarantine happening uh, near the end of June. Uh, everything should be finalized by the end of, by the beginning of June. I heard Obviously, this is horseshit, though. Yeah. So just uh, JC Abbott, um, one of the other, one of the guys, one of the other guys from Three Down Nation, Farhan Lodgy. There's a government, like there's like four or five people, uh, like reporters have come out and been like, um, we haven't heard anything. We've been told that this isn't actually accurate, but the dates line up. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen. Maybe it's just because I haven't been on Twitter. Uh, since that came out, but I haven't seen the players come out and say, you know, when are we going to be told this or bullshit, you know, something along those there's lines some, that we normally that see. Have come out that yeah. was like, uh, we haven't been told anything. Yeah, and thank you for that because I haven't, I haven't seen that. Like, have all the players been told so, yet? Maybe not. But another thing that broke literally like five minutes before we came live, uh, BC's president, uh, according to Justin Dunk has come out and said that there will be an announcement uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks regarding a 14-game season, like a schedule hey, for the 14 Actually, before, before, before we move on, I do have to prove that I am, in fact, bald. All right, there's your, there's your nice little tour. <laughs> there yeah, we go. So, Let's go McLaren. To, Lando's a god. According to Rick... For the last year, man, that's a French name that I cannot pronounce. Uh, it's actually supposed to be the coming days. Uh, the 2021 CFL schedule will be finalized in the near future. Yeah. Uh, three down league. Uh, delayed it start with a 14 game schedule. So, I know uh, Dave Naylor, I believe, said that there could be a, a an update as early as mid June. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe. We do start August 5th. If there's a schedule, because why would you release a schedule if you don't feel confident that you're going to be able to play August 5th? Yeah, I I don't think that just because players haven't been told yet doesn't mean that that's not the, the target. I don't know, like, you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody who knows anything about the situation yet because it's kind of like crap up on us, I guess, tonight. Um Eventually, I think that we'll have maybe Dave Naylor back on at some point, or you know, we can get a hold of Farhan. So we'll, we'll figure something out to get some more information on this. But at the moment, I think they're still aiming for that August start date. I think that lines up with where the Western provinces are going to be with their COVID vaccination rates 
in, in terms of getting enough people in the stands. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of mind games being played still, and I don't really appreciate it. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, non-disclosure agreements mm-hmm. being like, so as much as they may want to tell us, they, they legally can't, which is fair because things can change on a moment, like a moment's notice. I know last mm-hmm. week we had the Montreal kind of, kind of playing and kind of putting it out there that they could start the season on the road, um, play maybe a home game or two at, in a road stadium out of Montreal. So I think, honestly, though, this is probably the most optimistic I've been in the last couple of months about the CFL actually starting when they say they're going to start. Um, and if it means that, you know, Ottawa, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Hamilton aren't playing in their cities to start, I mean, so be it. Give me yeah. give me CFL football. I don't care. Look, the only thing that I'm interested in this schedule, I'll be honest with you, is where games are scheduled to take place and for how long they're scheduled to take place outside of Eastern cities. Oh, they're going to start out West. The question is, do they play home games out there? Are they anticipating that? Is there like a contingency plan for that maybe? But I think other than that, nothing else matters until we actually find a way to get put to camp. Like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the actual games portion of this might be the easy part. How can you get this many players into camp Get them quarantined for two weeks, which I don't know. If you're, if you're, I, I guess that's kind of uh, getting into the doctor's part of the shit, but I don't want to do that. How do you, how do you make that happen? There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there. Yeah, but I mean, they could easily, you know, you can't really limit the rosters. I don't know how many, how many people are on each roster right now. I haven't actually had a chance to break down the roster amount, but. If you're coming into camp with like 60 guys, you know, you throw them in a hotel and you pair them up and whatnot. But I think this is a, like, I think, I think there's a, there's enough, like a good amount of teams that are willing to start the season with minimal fans that like you tell the other teams, like, hey, we're starting without you. Like, I, I think, I think that's the, that's the, the, you can't allow one or two teams to hold up the other ones if everyone else is willing to play. Yeah, no, I think, but I mean, at the same time, if a team is not going to, if they're not going to play, there's not much you can, like you can't move on without somebody unless you, like you'd essentially, you'd have to make that team play. Or you allow a team to run ownership of it for a year. Yeah. Okay. So let's use the example of the Argos though. You can't just take the Argos away from their owners, give it to a different owner and have them run it as if it's their own for a year. That's just, it doesn't, it's not going to work. Like no, every, could... every team has to be on board to incur the financial burden that a 2021 season is going to be particularly at the beginning of it. Yes. But I don't think you can allow a team like a, you can't allow one team to hold up the rest of the league. No. And I don't think that they're going to get to that situation because there's eight, if there's eight teams on board with playing, and for the sake of argument, Toronto's that one team that doesn't want to. I don't think that they have the power that they think they do to hold the entire rest of the league back, no matter how much that ownership group wants to believe it. Yeah, like I just if if Montreal BC, I mean BC seems that they're ready to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they have to be. Yeah. 
But I remember a lot of people were like, oh, BC last year, that whole thing was BC was one of the teams that didn't want to play. It seems like this year, they're one of the teams that is pushing to play. How much do you think that has to do with the conversation that we had of last season they could sur- they could survive if they didn't play a game? This year it was more of if you don't play, the league is probably going to fold. I also think that the the situation in BC has finally settled a little bit. You know, yeah. Because they did have to deal with that whole transition of ownership yep. in a way. So I think with that kind of settled, you know, also it's easier to sell your product when you're playing. That is true. If there's t- if there's people that are willing to buy – but they want to like they want games, then so be it. But I don't know. I'm excited. I think I'm like, this is the most optimistic I've been in a while for CFL football. I mean, I hope you're right. Uh, but like ever since that uh, conversation with Randy Ambrosi, where he said uh, that we're playing football, I feel like my my confidence has never really gone up. It's only really gone down for some reason, and maybe that's. The I mean, that's whole idea. You don't hear anything. That's that's what I mean. The out of sight, out of mind thing is very dangerous for them right now. Yeah. But I think very dangerous. Are, unfortunately, because they're working, you know, with so many health departments, they don't want something to leak early and be and get everyone's hopes up. Like at this point, my my thinking is no news is good news. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what else is actually good news? I, I'll bring this up too. Where are the XFL talks at? We haven't heard. Nobody's anything. nobody said that they progressed anywhere. But and I mean, again, again, Dave Naylor, Dave Naylor did say that there is most likely a bunch of NDAs. Yep. Which is why we're not hearing about anything. And I was just so going to get to that, but um, you know, I think the longer that it takes for something to sort itself out there, potentially the less likely that it might become. Maybe I'm completely wrong on that front, but I feel like if something was going to happen, it was going to be before the CFL got back to playing football. Because I I think when when the league was playing in 2019, I don't think the financial situation was as dire as people make it sound. I think they were actually more stable than they've been in a long time, to be honest with you. When they're not playing football, that's when things get bad. And I think if they can get back to playing, especially this summer... I, I think that conversation might fade away pretty quickly. But if the if the XFL is planning on a 2022 season, what's the rush of getting something done in the CFL? Well, right? okay, let me, only- let me rephrase this. I think the odds of the CFL merging with the XFL and becoming American football is less likely if the CFL is playing. See, I don't – I've never believed that it would go to American football. I always figured that if the – if the CFL was going to merge with the XFL, it would still be Canadian football. I believe because that unless the league was in dire straits and about to fold, which if they didn't play football from all indications that we've heard would have been the case. Like I just, but I also don't think spring football as a four down league can survive in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've seen league after league fail. Why not introduce a three down game? Like, like yep. realistically, if you're the XFL, You've already fooled it twice. So what well, are... the second time wasn't really their fault. No, but they've still done it, unfortunately. Like this is in a lot of people's mind, this is XFL 3.0. So fair enough. In in what way is going to a Canadian style game gonna hurt you? Yeah, and I think 
I can't remember. It may have been Dave Naylor who said that they polled XFL fan or NFL fans in the U.S. about what they want to see in the XFL, and they pitched a bunch of Canadian rules, and they said, "No, no way. That that's stupid. We don't want that." I think you'd kind of have to force them to actually watch it and want to watch it, because if they see Canadians stapled on it, they're not going to watch it. And I mean. How many people do you see online that are American that think Canadian football is just stupid? Whether yeah, they are I mean, right or wrong, it's their I mean, opinion. This is also the same kind of like my my issue is that America, like we I've said it before. It's all about marketing. Mm-hmm. Like people are so caught up in the the lights and, and the flash, like that that entire thing where like if you actually look at the game, the CFL is better. And I think if you can get more people in the States to actually go to a CFL game, a Canadian football ruled game, you will see people's impression of the CFL turn. Yeah. And I agree with you there. I I think you're, I think you're, you're right. Um, I do prefer the CFL game. I know there's people who don't, I understand their reasonings. Um, That's fine. You know, if you, if you actually want to watch both games and, decide which one you think is better after you've done that credit to you, you know, whether you pick the Canadian version or the American version. But I, I think that, you know, we've said this so many times that the CFL game is the more exciting. It's the faster pace. And it's the, I guess it's honestly the more higher stakes game with every play meaning so much towards the final outcome of the game. Like I think that they would like it, but I don't think they're going to give it a chance. And I think that's part of the reason that they wouldn't go to a three-down game. But like I said, I think we're getting less and or it's becoming less and less likely that we actually have to figure out if they're going to like it or not. Yeah, I mean, I think they would. I think if you if they actually have a chance to really dive into it, they would. You know, who I would have loved to see in, in like a, in their prime in a CFL game on a CFL field. Andrew Luck. That would his, never happen, but <laughs> it would never. But his arm strength—that guy could sling it. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I feel like he's one of those guys that was underappreciated so much in his shorter career in the NFL because of injuries. That like, if he were to come up, if he were to come up here at one point or another, he would just dominate because of his arm strength. Yeah, I want to as well, kind of move off of that a little bit. They said they're announcing the schedule soon. Uh, what matchups are you looking forward to the most? Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Or yeah, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Of course, obviously. Yep. But I'm interested. Like, there should be a renewed Hamilton-Toronto rivalry. That's kind of been one side of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. But what I'm, I personally, BC versus Edmonton. I just think that everything about that just screams between the coaches, the players. You have the Edmonton Green Yellows versus the BC Lions uh, going against the OG Red Blacks coach. I don't know. I uh, I feel like that matchup, that first game, is going to be so high-powered that it's going to be so much fun mm-hmm. to watch. Obviously, all the traditional rivalries, you know, what's like you can go Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa has become a pretty solid one uh, since the Red Blacks have come back. Obviously, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Edmonton, 
And then I don't know who's BC really rival. I, I don't know. BC's kind of that left out team without somebody. But um, honestly, I think the, the matchup that I'm looking forward to is Ottawa and Edmonton because I think there's so much comparing between Ottawa and Edmonton just simply because Edmonton has so many ex-Red Blacks that that is the game that Marcel Desjardins is going to need to have circled on his calendar to kind of justify the moves that he made. If Ottawa, Ottawa wins that Winnipeg. game, he's justified. Ottawa versus Winnipeg. That's also going to be good. I think Matt like, Nichols is going to have a like I think a solid that one season. Is going to be a that, in Toronto and Calgary. And know, I mean, I Ottawa Toronto, and Toronto might be actually one of the best, most intense and insane storylines and games uh, going into it. Yeah, but I mean, you have not just you don't just have the Dinwiddie Arbuckle storyline for Toronto versus Calgary. You have yeah. Eric Rogers. You have Cordero Law. You have Charleston Hughes. Some Big name Stampeders in Toronto now. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like that storyline, like that first matchup, I would love for that to be the opening matchup. Calgary versus Toronto in Calgary to open the season. Personally, I would love it. I think that's something that we'll actually end up seeing just because I think they're going to want the Western teams to play their home games. So, but I mean, on the, on the Ottawa-Toronto front, Shane, I don't know if it gets spicier than quarterback swap after not playing a game. Eh, I think it's not as heated as people think. I think, like, realistically, what what happened? <laughs> what happened was... Home run, Vlad. Oh. Carry um, on. <laughs> what happened was exactly what people thought were gonna like was going to happen last season. So, like, as much as it sucks seeing Arbuckle go, whatever... I think most fans were honestly expecting him to walk in free agency anyways and for us to sign Nichols. So, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be that important. I really don't think an Ottawa, like the Ottawa-Toronto storyline is going to last one game, and that's it. I think it'll but be intense. I'm it'll excited be intense, for it. But I think the storyline will last one game. The Toronto-Calgary storyline, if they play more than once, that's a storyline to keep an eye out the entire season. Yeah. And Especially if Calgary struggles – and Toronto because, like, is, is top in the division. Before we move on from the CFL, unless you have another thing you want to talk about, no, I'm, looking, I'm looking at training camps and storylines again. What do you think is the most interesting one going into it? I don't think there is any. Like, I, I oh, I tell you that. what, there's one for sure. Who? Dane Evans... Jeremiah Mazzoli. Yeah. Who's the starting quarterback in the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Evans. You think it's going to be Evans? I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of there with you. Now, extension on that. When and if and when do you think Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, takes that spot over again? I don't think he does. You think this is Dane Evans' team to ride, eh? I, and it's, no, it's no offense to Mazzoli. And He's I fantastic, hate, by the way. I, I, I absolutely hate, love I hate Jeremiah using the age. I hate using the age as a, as a reason. 32. He's now two years removed from ACL, so he should mm -hmm. be 100% healthy. Yeah. If there's a guy that this layoff helped at all, it's Jeremiah Mazzoli. But how much has that helped Dane Evans? Right? <laughs> like, 
if and and this isn't to, to hate on Mazzoli because I personally love Mazzoli, but there's a very good chance that Mazzoli ends the season in Saskatchewan or Winnipeg. That's what I was just, is, is is Jeremiah Mazzoli potentially the same as Zach Claro's last year, where if somebody's quarterback gets hurt or somebody's quarterback struggles, and let's be very, very fair and say that Zach Claros has a history of kind of struggling, and Cody Fajardo has one year under his belt of proven I mean, starting Claros football has a quarterback. Of being hurt. Yes. Like if he can't stay healthy, yeah. he's the top quarterback in the league. There's no doubt about it. Look, and I don't want to disrespect Cody Fajardo either because what he did in 2019 was absolutely insane. But he's a first year starter. But he has to do it again. Like he's going, this is his first year going into camp as a starter. Yeah. Coming off of being a third string quarterback his entire career in the CFL. Mm-hmm. He's got, yeah. I'm confident he can do it again. I think he can. I think anybody who rates him as a top quarterback in the CFL has lost it a little bit, though. Um, but he's more than capable of doing that again. I, I firmly just, believe I have that. a feeling that, like, if they're going to trade him, I think also Edmonton's probably going to be a wild card here. If if Harris struggles at all. Or gets hurt. Or gets hurt. I would not be surprised to see Edmonton trying to pull off a trade with what is, Hamilton. But it's is it, is it insane? Is it insane to think that – I don't want to disrespect Nick Arbuckle again. Like, it's very, very hard to talk about guys struggling because they're I, – I, you know, we've grown relationships with players around the league, and they're all fantastic human beings. Nick is no exception. But, again, he is a first-time starting quarterback. If he struggles, the Argos have a roster on paper that can win a great cup 100%. Jeremiah Mazzoli might be a fit there as well. I so, just, you're going to have to give a Johnny Manziel kind of offer. Mm-hmm. And I don't Even, know what team is willing to give a Johnny Manziel kind of offer. Like, no, th- this isn't Montreal where Mo- Montreal made that deal because they needed Manziel to fill the seats. Exactly. Like, that, that, exactly. Like, let's be honest. Like, you're, you're lying to yourself if you think that deal was purely football. It wasn't. Yeah. They wanted to sell his name. That, that's just how it was. And they sold um, a lot of jerseys. I'll tell you that. I know did. a couple of buddies who bought jerseys. They did. It was a smart move, realistically. And with how bad it, like how much of a crapshoot the draft is, it was probably worth it. Um, it's unfortunate that he didn't have success in Montreal because that would have been huge. Uh, but shout out to Vernon Adams for taking over that starting role finally, and I, I'm hoping for a really good season with him. Me too. He's but, he's also uh, he's a spectacular guy. I hope nothing but the best for Vernon. That guy stuck it out long term. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, I just I feel like Mazzoli. If you're gonna trade for Mazzoli, you're gonna give up picks. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to trade picks, and like, I don't know what team is really willing to do that outside of maybe uh, Saskatchewan. The thing, I mean, I'm just looking at teams around the league that have young quarterbacks that are kind of Vernon Adams is one of them, Cody Fajardo is another one, and Nick Arbuckle is another one. Those three teams, I think, depending on, I think all three of those quarterbacks are very good quarterbacks. I think they all can be very elite starters in the CFL. We just got to see them in some instances do it again. And for Arbuckle, he's got to do it for the first time. Um, I have another storyline, though, that I'm incredibly excited for. This is the Nathan Rourke signing his rookie deal? It is, in fact, Nathan Rourke. <laughs> and by the way, this preseason was supposed to start this weekend, right? Or this past weekend. Yeah, it was supposed to. The, the, yeah, preseason the was BC Lions were going to play. Yeah, it was supposed to start on Friday. Friday we would have got to watch Nathan Rourke right yeah, there. And I'm really to go to Montreal on the 23rd. 
I was yeah. planning on going to Montreal on the 23rd to catch the uh, Red Blacks Montreal game. Yeah, I am pissed off that we didn't get to watch Nathan, Nathan Rourke this past weekend. But but like but okay, so we really need to move on from the CFL before the first like half hour. But he is going in there competing for the second job. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and I mean, who's going to take it from him? Will Laurent? Like I I like Will. He's he fought his way onto the team. He was the the Red Blacks. Uh, practice roster quarterback, quarterback and he was he was pretty much written in permanent ink in that practice roster spot and then completely dominated when compared to Danny Collins. He won yeah. his spot and then yeah, he won I some starts. Because I love Collins. Yeah. I thought he was a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. But yeah he's Will Arndt is in- a Will Arndt is is a fighter. I don't think he's gonna have an easy job at winning that spot. But I think at the end I think Nathan Rourke is definitely the more talented quarterback between the two we of them. could easily see there, there's a there's a chance that if Mike Riley and Bo Levi get hurt at any point in the in the time, we could see two Canadian starters in the CFL at quarterback. Montel Cozart is still in Calgary, though. Yeah, but I still think uh, O'Connor has a better chance of winning that second spot than hey. Cozart. No offense to Cozart. I just think that O'Connor's a better quarterback than him. I wrote that article about uh, backup to starter candidates, and Cozart was my long shot. But you know we could see two Canadian quarterbacks to start to see like at some point in the season. Yep. Uh, depending, obviously, we don't want players to get hurt. We're not advocating to hurt like for players to get hurt. No, absolutely not. But I mean, with, with we've seen in the every CFL quarterback got hurt. Exactly, so it's a possibility. And that's but, I think 2017 that happened as well. So twice in the last three years, so, every single starting quarterback missed at least one game. So it is possible, but yeah. we're gonna move on. We'll uh, we'll jump into some NHL hockey real quick. Talk about some playoffs. Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl getting swept, three straight overtime losses after, and one game they led four one in the third period, and Mike Smith shot the bed. Um, Archibald had a stupid penalty, the clipping on Stanley, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. I remember watching him when he was in Windsor and Kitchener with. Uh, uh, in the OHL, huge fan of his, but man, uh, that game, Spencer Knight coming in for Florida and stealing game five or game, yeah, game five. Crazy. Color me shocked by the way, that the Oilers didn't make it out of round one. I got called every time that I said that Winnipeg was going to win that series. People called me insane. To me, that was the most obvious outcome. I, the entire point. I picked Edmonton. Because I didn't know which Hellebuck was going to show up. And I said I, it, I've said it multiple times. If Hellebuck came in as Hellebuck from last year or the year before, they're winning the series. It's the same thing with yep. Price in Montreal. They get Price, you know, he is not the reason they're they're down 2-1. Um, no, not at all. So Hellebuck balled. Like, Hellebuck played great. But the depth for Winnipeg just outpowered everyone. Well, that's it. I mean, you've got uh... – Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Scheifele out there, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers made a massive difference when he got healthy. Like, yeah, I mean, their their offensive side of the ice is just so strong. And, I mean, their defense. They ran four lines. Yeah, exactly. uh, Edmonton only ran two. And even, like, right down to the bottom with, like, Mason Appleton. Yeah, that, that lineup is crazy. Yeah. And, like, their defense is whatever, but... You know what? They they play solid hockey. The I think the Winnipeg Jets are the best complete team in the North. Does that mean they're going to win the division? 
Not necessarily, but if Toronto does close the series out against Montreal, they are not going to walk through the Jets. No, I think, honestly, the Jets could easily beat either Montreal or Toronto. Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, if, if Hellebuck is on his game uh, and you see the dominance of the, the full – because here's the thing. The top 12 is better than anyone in the division. Mm-hmm. Like, their 12 forwards are the best 12 forwards in the division, hands down. And especially, I mean, what happened to John Tavares, by the way, is a travesty. horrifying. Now, I, I don't think I've had more fear put into me watching a live event than when I watched that Roman Grosjean crash. That, you know, horrifying, both of them. But outside of, like, going into the hockey aspect of that, that's awful for the Leafs. That's a very, very hard pill to swallow with a player that good and that important to your team going out, probably for the whole playoffs. I can't see him coming back. Yeah, he's out for a minimum two weeks. Yeah, I, if he came back in two weeks, I think, like, I, I don't know. He must have went to a to a magic hospital or something. Went to Hogwarts. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's, like, the if it's Winnipeg versus Toronto, I, I definitely feel like, Winnipeg is going to come out of it. Yeah, I'm not willing to go that far and say that it's like my prediction. I think we're going to have to see what that Maple Leafs team looks like after this Montreal series, if it is in fact them that come out of it. Um, you know, Montreal's been laying the body a ton, so you might see them a little bit banged up coming out of it. But which, uh, is, perfect, which is perfect for Winnipeg. Exactly, exactly what I mean. I I don't have that game on. What's going on in that Montreal game right now? Do you know? I have no idea. I haven't watched. Okay, good, because neither have I. I'm, I'm an awful Habs fan, but the Jays are on, so I don't care. <laughs> um, but, you know, going elsewhere, you know, we had Spencer Knight stealing a win uh, for, for Florida, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, fantastic for the kid. Yep. Good on him. Tampa's still going to win the series. I don't, I don't think Spencer Knight's going to win them three in a row. Well, I would love to see it, though. Same. Uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I would love to see it, but I don't see it happening. Uh, we have Carolina and Nashville tied at 2-2 going into tonight's game. Yep. At I o'clock. think Carolina comes out of that series. Can um, we just talk about Minnesota winning with 14 shots, pulling a Kazakhstan and winning with 14 shots over Na- over Vegas to survive till game six. Cam yeah. friggin' Talbot looking like a Vesna Trophy winner again. Like, what the hell is going on? Um, how about Tristan Yari? <laughs> I mean, how about Samsonov? Samsonov did something just as bad against Boston. No, but you know what? Here's the thing, man. Penguins fans had Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray. Yeah. They picked Matt Murray. All right. Now you got Matt Murray and Tristan Yari. They took Tristan Yari. Now you have Tristan Yari and you have Casey DeSmith. They're all taking Casey DeSmith again. Shane, they've gotten worse every time they've done this. I every would not single... be surprised to see either Morazic, Drigger, or Anderson in Pittsburgh next year. Every single goalie that they have opted for other than their starter has made them worse. And they are still going on about how Casey DeSmith is better than Tristan Yari. What the hell I, I, is going I, I, on? 
I don't know, man. I don't know. They gave us fucking Gustafson should be their starter right now, but they gave him to us for Derek Broussard. So like, hey, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Yep. Um, yeah. So Sorokin, and I've said this before. I think European goalies should not come overseas until they're like mid, like early twenties. Stay in Europe until you're 22, 23, or 24. Then come over. Um, I've said this. I said this about Gustafsson, and I got reamed for it. If Philip Gustafsson stayed in Sweden for the length of time that Sorokin and Shesterkin stayed in Russia, he would be coming over with the same kind of hype that those two did. And this is and, just – it's just goalie development. And, I mean, keeping them out of your system, I guess, also helps you with their control time. It helps you keep them under uh, RFA a little bit longer, under arbitration. But it like, also – like playing goalie is in Europe is completely different than playing goalie in the mm-hmm. AHL. Yep. And like – Playing goalie in the NHL is a lot harder than playing in the NHL because you have so much turnover. Like it seems like every other day you have a new like a new group of players in front of you. But from personal experience, the other thing too, so much of goaltending is between your ears. So if playing in your home country helps you, you know, become more confident at the end of the day, if you're playing really, really well out in Sweden, I'll leave you there. Right, I don't need to bring you over here and rush you over here to get you playing in the American League. Where, honestly, I, how much better are the players in the American League versus in Sweden? Uh, like, you know, uh, I I just don't like you said. There's not. I don't see much of a reason to bring somebody, especially if they're having success in Europe, over. For, like, it's I don't know. Unless they want it, because obviously the players have a choice, right? If the players want to come over, you're going to allow them to come over. Yeah. Yeah, but so you know we got Minnesota stealing the show out of Vegas, ridiculous. Montreal uh, and Toronto are tied at zero right now. By the way, they were tied at zero going into the second last night, and then they lost. No, oh, I'm not saying they're going to win. I don't. I, I I never. I I said last week that they would never see Game Six to see any fans in the stands. So I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> uh, Washington getting eliminated by Boston. Colorado sweeping St. Louis, which I think we all saw coming. St. Louis had the second highest payroll in hockey this year, too. Yeah. Two but on they that need one to shift the bet. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so you have, like, that, that's a series. Boston beating Washington in four after dropping game one. And who's the other one that. I mean, oh yeah, Winnipeg. And those are the only three series so far that have been uh, that have been completed. Yeah, Tampa, Vegas, and Winnipeg all had a chance to to move on, and only Winnipeg won in triple overtime as well. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. But this, I mean, when does uh, Connor McDavid say he's had enough of this? He did not look happy last night. No, but realistically, like I mentioned this on Twitter, I wonder how much, like how the negotiations went. Was it something like Shirelli uh, being like, how much do you want? His agent being like, how much are you willing to pay? And they're like, 12 and a half. And his agent's like, all right, cool. We'll take it. Like, Isn't he making, is he making league maximum? I don't think there is a league maximum. There is. 
then I would assume so. Yeah, unless but it like, went up. I don't know, but either way. But, like, I don't feel like McDavid – I feel like if you offered McDavid eight, like $8 million for eight years and told him, like, hey, we could give you 12, but we'd rather use that $4 million to help build a team around you, mm-hmm. he would have said yes. Maybe, but I mean, when they signed him, he was also an RFA, so it's not like he was going anywhere. But like at some point, I w- if I'm Car McDavid, I'm gonna go up to uh, to the the GM's office and be like, "Yo, like, either build a team here that's capable of winning and stop putting bums like Zach Cassian on my line, or trade me, because this is ridiculous." Yeah. They have okay, so they have 22 million in cap space before someone gets picked off of. Uh, expansion and i think a lot of people are expecting it to be james neal there's a chance that's another bum they have because they signed lucic to a ridiculous like surely signed lucic to a stupid deal and a bum traded loot like but i think there's a chance that ryan nugent hopkins and adam larson are in new jerseys and i don't know how you replace those guys i mean who like who cares nobody on their team is worth anything in my eyes like, other than Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Nobody else is off the table in a trade for me. I don't care. No, but you have, but you, but you're losing. Like you have to trade if you don't think you're going to sign not Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Adam Larson, you have to trade them. Yeah, at some like before, mm-hmm. like between now and the draft, because like you have twenty two million dollars in cap space. There is no way that you're keeping those two. Plus, trying to get a goaltender who is not Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't know. When does it decide? Well, we need to stop spending stupid money on crappy players. Go get a, a goaltender. Go get some defensemen, and maybe get the best player that potentially hockey's ever seen. When it's all said and done, some help. Because the fact that they have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, two guys that continuously score the most points in hockey, well, well over a point a game. What They've won nothing. Can't even get out of the first round. But like I said on Twitter, the, the true Stanley Cup contending teams are built. Like they are designed, they are built to withstand losing their top players for long periods of time. Tampa is built to lose Kucherov and Stamkos for long periods of time. Vegas, I don't, I don't even think Vegas is built to lose Pacioretty and Stone for long periods of time. If you were to lose both of those, they're screwed. Like, Vegas is just downright screwed. Colorado is built to lose McKinnon, Ranton, and Orlandiskog, or any combination of the three, for a long period of time. You know, if you're a true cup-contending team year to year, you're built and designed to lose to handle losing a top player or two for long periods of time. If McDavid were like, let's say McDavid were to get hurt in game like 20 and he were to miss the rest of the season, there is no way Edmonton makes the playoffs. The Oilers are picking first overall at that point. Like, and I, and I said this before the season and I'll say it again. Ottawa is built better than, than Edmonton and they're oh, built that's better. Easy, that's easy though. But they're also built better than Vancouver. They're I think, probably, yeah. In the yeah. in Canadian teams, they are the fifth and arguably, arguably the fourth best built team in terms of debt, like of being able to withstand losing a top player for long periods of time. 
they're they're arguably the third or fourth best, depending on how you view top players. I don't want Sens fans to go insane on me when I say this because I believe that the Sens young talent can be top flight players, but the Sens right now don't have anybody on their roster that is considered a top flight player in the league yet. I think Brady can be, Tim Stutzel can be, uh, you know, even like a guy like Shane Pinto might be at some point. But when they lose somebody, they don't have quite as to replace. For Toronto, if they lose Austin Matthews, they can they can figure that out. But that's a big loss. Uh, the Oilers with Connor McDavid, that's a big loss. But they don't. Have, that's a difference. They don't have anybody to replace that. But you look at you know Montreal, Winnipeg. Their big players aren't considered tier A McDavid Matthews plays, but they're still solid players that can be filled in. Like if you were to lose Shifley, like if Winnipeg were to lose Shifley for a long period of time, you have the personnel to move up and you're not you're not really missing a gear. You might yep. be a little slower, but you're not missing that that final gear. Stasny could slot in there, Dubois could slide in there. Hell, even like Adam Lowry can still slide in there if needed. Yep. You know, Ottawa, yeah, they don't have those like top tier players yet. But if you were to lose Kachuk, they have the depth to to replace not everything, obviously, but enough to be competitive. If Shabbat were to go down, they have enough depth, in my opinion, to at least stay competitive if you were to lose them for a long period of time. Yeah, I, I mean, think, that's something that's going to be put to the test, especially next season, you know, when Sens say they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. Whether that happens or not yet, we don't know, obviously. Yeah, they, do. They, were the, they were the third best team in the North from February 12th. For sure. But, I mean, circumstances are going to be changing. Um, you have to deal with the East. You have to deal with the Atlantic. And realistically, who knows Who knows how Boston's going to be or how, how Toronto's going to be. And you have Detroit and and, and Buffalo, for sure. But also, my part of my point as well is when you have expectations, it is very difficult to meet them. So if their expectation is to make the playoffs, we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I mean if you ask the players, their expectation was to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, but I mean that was unrealistic. Let's yeah. be fair; it yeah. was unrealistic. Third best team in the division from February twelfth. So it wasn't unrealistic. They just had a very shitty start that they couldn't come back from. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's easy. But again, it's easy, you, easier to win games them. when you're worried about losing them. Hey, still the third best team in the North after the first month. We'll see how that goes like, next year. I, I don't. I, I mean, they may have been the third best team in the division to end the season. I promise you, they will not be the third best team in the division next season. Probably not, but they don't need to be the third best team in the division. No, they got to be in the top four. Well, not even. You just, you just got to be in the top eight. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's not how it works the, anymore. Yeah, isn't it only the top? If they go back to what they were doing last year or the year before, it was going to be uh, the the top three plus the two wild cards. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically top eight doesn't matter anymore because the best team in one division could be 
the eighth best team in the in the conference. So, well, yeah, it's ridiculous. But to me, like I, I honestly believe they should just go through the one through eight. The two. Yeah, division I don't know winners. why they get rid of that. This is so stupid the way they do the, it now. Like the two division winner should be one two because you have to be rewarded for winning your division. Like that. Like there's no point so in having a division. The same way they don't does it. Yeah, top two win your like you get one two if you win your division and the best six. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. hundred so, percent. But like realistically, we're both we're both in the Atlantic. Like we're both Atlantic teams, Montreal and Ottawa. You have Buffalo, who who knows what's happening with them? They don't even know what's happening with them. Detroit, who's on the up and up, but I still think they're a couple years away. And I mean, if they can't re-sign Bernier and, and Grice doesn't figure it out, who knows what happens with them? Florida has shown that, like, they haven't shown that they're a consistent enough team to really be worried about them. I you think, know? though, that team that they have built right now is is actually built for some sustainable success. Kind Maybe of the same way Barkoff that... decides to leave. I don't think he will, though. I, I, if they pay oh, no. him... If they're struggling next year, if they're, if they're struggling, if they're, like, fighting for a playoff spot, and you have to decide between trading Barkoff or risk losing him for free agency, like the Islanders did with Tavares, what do you think you're, they're going to take? You're also assuming that they're struggling. And like I said, I think they're built for success. I don't know. I, I just – they haven't done it consistently. Yeah, I mean, look how look how well they're playing right now, though, and that's without their best player. Who? Aaron Ekblad. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> you're down 3-1, and then Knight steals you a game. Because that's what he did. Like, Knight stole them that game. You're also playing against this let, – let's be fair. If Tampa had Kucherov and they had spent this amount – like. They spent $100 million on this team that they have on the ice right now. Yeah. That is well above the cap hit. Yeah, it's like $20 million above the, the cap hit. More. It's like 30 How? The cap hit's like 81 and a half. No, it went down. It's not 81. Yeah, it's 81. Let's see. It's a flat cap of 81 and a half. Let me Google it. What is anyone? Go to cap- Either way, they're <laughs> yeah, still well they, over they the still- cap. Well, yeah, but I mean that's the loophole, right? Uh huh. But I mean we're also talking about the Panthers. The, the Panthers are still kicking without their best player against a team that spent more than twenty million dollars over the cap. Yeah, I'd, but I mean, I'd say I they're having a good year. They're having a good year, but can they do it again? That's the question. I believe can, so. I believe so. I think this is the same thing again. with Carolina, where we all ask the question of can they do it again? Yeah, they've done it. And, they've made the playoffs three years in a row. I think. Yeah, but they had to start with one. Yeah, but this is the second time in Florida's history that they've made it back-to-back years. They've never made it three years in a row. It was always his first time further. So, like, I don't know. I feel like. I, I like your optimism for Florida, and I like Florida. I like there. There's a lot of guys on that team that I like, but I just there's no no data that shows that they're going to do it well again next year. Like all ever, all the evidence points to them having a bad year and struggling. We'll have to we'll have to, we'll have to see. I don't know. I don't know if I believe the the analytics. And actually, the analytics brings me into something that I want to talk about last because I want to get into a little bit of baseball. If you're good with that, yeah, that's fine. Um. Charlie Montoyo needs to get a clue. What are uh, we doing, Shane? Uh, sucking. What that, are we that's what doing? doing? Throwing away games. What? Literally. Literally throwing away games. 
look, call me a traditionalist, call me old fashioned, but what the hell oh, yes, is this? What, what the hell what? happened? Sorry, I, Yates is done for the year now. Yeah, Kirby Yates has been done for the year since spring training. I thought he was. I thought he was throwing in. Uh, he started throwing in in Buffalo. No, we got Tommy John, and at the beginning of the year, and he's done. What the hell? They knew that this was a big possibility when they signed him, though. It was a one-year deal. Uh, I doubt that he's ever going to play a game for the Blue Jays, to be honest. I mean, but, they sign him again next year. What? is this garbage of we're not going to actually have a closer. We're just going to use who we think is analytically best for the situation. What like is that? that? Romano needs to be the closer. Chad That's what I'm saying. Your setup guy. Chadwick should be your 7-8 guy, and Romano should be your 9 guy. Look, uh, if you if you don't want Romano to be the closer, I don't care. If you want Delise to be the closer, put him out there to close the game every night. Don't put him out Delise there in the 7th inning. I, well, I don't think he's trash. I think he's inconsistent. But if you want Dolis to be the closer, put him out there to close games every night. Well, don't saying. put him out is there in the like, seventh inning. That's the thing is that like you either you either commit to a closer, or you're gonna struggle. Like the ballpen has struggled. Like I, I don't know. I the Blue Jays went two through games, like, two games in a row against Tampa that they literally threw the game away. Yep. Yep. The the Jays went through ten different pitchers to close games last year. I think they've already gone through six this year. And you know what? Fair enough. Ken Giles was your closer last year. He gets hurt. So you turn to a kind of closer by committee. What happened? What happened to Ken Giles? Ken Giles had, I don't know. I can't remember what he had. I think it was an elbow thing, but because it was such a short season, he kind of missed the whole deal. Um, Where is he now? Is he still in Seattle? He's in Seattle now. Oh, rough. Yeah. They let him go. But uh, I mean, I guess the thinking like for everybody was okay. Jordan Romano has proven that he can be the closer of this team. Yeah. You can now move on from Ken Giles. Well, then you sign Kirby Yates. Fantastic. Now you have your closer. And then he, he goes out for the season. Plan B is obviously Jordan Romano, correct? It would have to be. I think but the again, fuck I, not, said Charlie Montoyo. I I think I I think they messed up. I think Chatwood should be their seven guy, their seven, eight inning guy. To lead up to my, like Romano, especially at home, when you it's, use your best pitcher out of the bullpen in the seventh inning, you're going to lose the baseball game. When you then turn for one inning, when you then turn to Rafael Dolis, Tyler Chatwood, and when he can't get out of the inning, Tyler or Travis Bergen, you're toast. You're toast. Like, they need Julian Merriweather back right now. Yeah, they uh they have uh, Moana or what? Monana? I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Alec Manoa. Manoa coming up for tomorrow's game. Yep. That's and be an you know what? Honestly, I'm okay with that. Um, I don't really. It's gonna be an onslaught. I I don't think he's ready to be. On, I I mean I clearly the Blue Jays do. I haven't had a chance to really watch him yet. I don't like the move to bring him up incredibly early, but it signals to me that they're going to do something. And if he doesn't work out, there's a trade coming. There has to be. They've got to do something. So, look, Ross Stripling looked fantastic behind Trent Thornton last night. Problem is, Trent Thornton gave up five runs in the first inning. And then we came back to tie it and then gave up seven. And and can can we talk about this for one second? Trent Thornton walked in a run on a 3-2 pitch. 
that arguably could have been called a strike and then proceeded to give up a grand slam. Stop blocking guys. Stop it. I, like, Shane, I, I pulled up this stat. The Blue Jays have six intentional walks in the last two weeks. Or, sorry, in the, last, in the last week. That is every intentional walk that they've issued this season. That is more than double the team in second. What has happened to them when they intentionally walk guys? They, got, they score. They, up. Yeah, they score. You, Stop walking guys. The inability to get out of runners in scoring position the last two weeks with the inability to score with runners in scoring position have hurt them. Yep. And, I mean, like, it, it's, it, it, it's a combination that you don't want, and they've, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll take this combination. This seems like a fun combination. When you look at the pitchers in the bullpen, and I mean they, they were fantastic to start the year, credit to them, but I think they're starting to come back down to earth. You know, yeah, I mean they're finally starting to get like their backs are finally starting to give out for carrying this team. Mm-hmm. Like how many and, games did we see the bullpen take over in like the third or fourth inning? Yep. Yep, exactly. And that is something people are asking why they're going to address the rotation when it's clearly the bullpen that's giving out. And I mean you just you you said it right there. Their backs are giving out. They need somebody in this rotation that's going to consistently go six innings every time they're out there. Yeah, That's mean, exactly what Ryu does. Ryu is the team's off day for the bullpen. You're going to need three guys out of there maybe. And I, mean, I think Ray, for, Ray and Ryu are the two guys that will go the longest. And Steven Matz, to his credit, the last couple of outings has looked shaky, but before that and tonight, he has looked really, really good. If Max can turn into a guy that can give him even five strong innings, because realistically, they have the bullpen where you can go two, you go five, two, one, one kind of thing. Like, or you go five, three, and one. If Max can turn into like a minimum five inning guy, and like you have Ryu and Ray that can go like push it to seven, you should be good. I I really hope for the Jays' sake that Alec Manoa can come up and he can just be passable as a starting pitcher in the big leagues. You know what I mean? If he can come up and he can he, he can have quality starts, six innings, less than three runs given up, or less than sorry, three or less runs given up every night. Everybody would be happy. I don't care if he loses every single start. If he has quality starts, we're happy. Yeah, because I think all that's all you need at that point. You just need Thomas Hatch to come up and also be passable as a number five starter. At that point, if your rotation looks like Ryu, Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, Alec Manoa, and Thomas Hatch, and then you can get Julian Merriweather back in the bullpen, and you can actually have Jordan Romano close a game, I think you're fine. You're not great, but you're fine. But oh my God, Charlie is like. The guy is so nice. He's such a nice guy, but holy crap, he's something else as a manager. I, I don't know. He he's a Tampa product. What do you expect? For like, forget the analytics, okay? If I don't, this garbage of some nights Dolis is going to close and Romano will pitch in the seventh, and then Chat was going to pitch in the seventh. The next night, Romano's closing and Dolis in the eighth. Stop it! Stop it! Just pick an inning when the guy is going to be ready. Have you've watched Jordan Romano in the bullpen? Yeah, he's moving the entire freaking game. Fine, he can get in it whenever he's needed. 
give the dude a window when he's going to come into a game. Make just and pick I feel a close, like Romano, pick a closer. Romano can also be a two inning guy. You don't like he, ideally you don't want him to be because you'd rather him pitch like. But that's the th- Jordan Romano is the best pitcher in the bullpen. But like, choose him as a closer you need, if you need him in it. Like if you need him to do the eighth and the ninth inning, he is capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like he can go through the rotation once effectively. Yep. So, by the way, think, Vlad is two for two with a walk tonight, I believe. Yeah, I mean, he's looking like one of the best hitters in the game, finally. When does the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. MVP talk start? Next year. I don't know if we're going to wait. have to wait till next year. I think it's going to be this season. I man. mean, if he can continue this hot streak, I think it goes this year. But, like, even when he was talking, cold, he was dangerous. But I think if you're looking at, like, a like serious consideration, I think his name will be thrown out there this year, but I think if you're looking at serious consideration, it's next season. I agree. I, I agree 100%. I think – but look, people who want to give up on Vlad, please let us know. Send us a message on Twitter. Line I up. I joked about it. I, I joked about it because I was, like, I was like, hey, let's trade him because he's crap. Like as a joke because everyone was just like – Yeah. Because he's no, 19 he- when he came into the league. Anybody who genuinely thought that he was a bust, uh, either I don't a. Understand why we're continue- I've never understood this in sports. Why do we tell? Why are we labeling a 19, 20, 21, or twenty-two year old a bust? I've never understood that. Yeah. I've never understood it. I never will understand it. I think it's idiotic. Yep. I like if you genuinely thought that he was a bust, either a. You know nothing about baseball, or b. You just don't like the guy. I guess like, but. You know, like just I, I, just I, chill, I, just chill. The guys, he's not going to hit like this all season. He's not going to be, you know, incredible all the time. But this is this is Vlad. He's dangerous. He's going to hit. He's going to hit home runs. And you know what? He's playing good defensively too. There's not much more you could ask for. Uh, man, anyway. we're crap in the bed. We have dropped. Yeah, no, now you're playing 500 baseball. You're five games back in the wild card, uh, or four and a half games back. Five and a half in the wild card, six in the, or eight in the the division? Like that. Five and a half in the division. That five game losing streak is hard enough, but when you lose five games to the Red Sox, was it five, or was it actually, was it actually six games? It was six games. When you lose six games. Between the Rays and the. Yeah. So they, they won the first one against the Red Sox and then dropped the next two and then they lost four straight to the Rays. Yeah. You can't do that. You cannot lose that many games in your division. And you know what? The the blame of it all, I honestly believe, lies on the shoulders of Charlie Montoya. You yeah. cannot make these decisions with the bullpen. Pick a closer, set your order, get guys ready to go when they need to pitch, and stop this guessing game. Enough. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. But anyways, guys, that will end today's episode because we're over an hour and we're trying to keep these things around an hour. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. It was a pleasure, as always. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can follow myself at uh, Shane underscore RY13 and at Frankie at Frankie Benvo. Underscore Benvo. Benvo. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 13th Man Sports. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
subscribe to our uh, podcast as well on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And we'll catch you back here next week. Stay safe and enjoy the weather, guys.